somebody once told me the cheese has stopped rolling they rolled a baby bell instead there's places you can go where the monkeys are on show Lutbury has a festival go to a monkey buffet and feed them a cax dance like a frog and say guackack throw water on a pretty girl's head or throw cinnamon at her face instead break 15,000 eggs for fun eat omelets like Napoleon or fermented shark in Iceland wash it all down with some renovin hey now it's our show time it's about traditions today hey now it's dream infringement our show's on press play all our sound waves are gold thanks for listening to our Thank you, Jennifer, for that amazing intro. Unfortunately, we could not coerce Bobby into doing a parody of Smash Mouth's smash hit, All Star. So, you got Jennifer! Um, yeah, this week we are doing a theme about traditions around the world. So sit back and relax and enjoy. Today, I would like to tell you about the Schmigus Dingus. I saw a brief post about this tradition and I had to look it up and find more information. Where did it come from? How did it originate? So. The Schmigus Dingus means Wet Monday. It's a Catholic celebration held on Easter Monday, mostly in Poland, but also in parts of Slovakia, Hungary, Western Ukraine, and some regions of Croatia and Serbia. And still ongoing some places in the United States. The origins are uncertain, but it may date back to pagan times before 1000 AD. So it's traditionally celebrated by boys throwing water over girls they like and spanking them with pussy willows. Boys would sneak into girls' homes at daybreak, throw containers of water over them while they were still in bed, after which the screaming girls would be dragged to a nearby river or pond for another drenching, sometimes along with her bed. They were thrown into the water together particularly attractive girls could expect to be soaked repeatedly during the day. Can you imagine like the snobby stuck up most attractive girl being like I was thrown into the river 10 times today (laughs) and the other girls being like I was only thrown in three times. Someone else being like well that girl just threw herself in the river and then said she was thrown in because nobody likes her. Also, I would be so upset if someone threw my bed in the water. It's not going to dry out in time. I don't know what they were sleeping on. Did you just like have to make yourself a new bed? I don't like this tradition. (laughs) So the use of water is said to evoke the spring rains needed to ensure a successful harvest later. Girls could save themselves from a soaking by giving boys ransoms of painted eggs regarded as magical charms that would bring good harvests, successful relationships, and healthy childbirths. 
although in theory the girls are supposed to wait until the following day to get their revenge by soaking the boys, in practice both would throw water over each other on the same day. Although at least there was a little bit of equal opportunity happening with the throwing of the water. Pussy willows appear to have been adopted as an alternative to the palm leaves, which were not obtainable in Poland. They were blessed by priests on Palm Sunday, following which parishioners whipped each other. Well, that must have been a fun day at church. (laughs) The pussy willows were then treated as sacred charms that could prevent lightning strikes, protect animals, and encourage honey production. All right, no lightning strikes. Was that happening so often that you needed to ward against it? Is Poland specifically... (laughs) a high region for lightning strikes that this was a concern and it was traditional for three pussy willow buds to be swallowed on palm sunday to promote good health i don't think it did or else like all the the naturalists would be all up on that these days the celebration would traditionally be accompanied by declarations in verse in which a young man would climb on the roof of a building in the village, beat on a tin pan, and announce which girls were to be doused along with how many wagon loads of sand. Sand? Where did sand come from? How much water and how much soap would be used on each girl? Are they bathing them? I don't The girls would also respond in verse, announcing that there was someone who would save her. So for instance... The example quoted here, from a tavern roof would come the announcement that Zoska, because she dresses badly, her house is untidy, and she's mean, will have a dingus of a hundred barrels of water, a hundred cartloads of sand, and a hundred lashes. And then from a window would come the reply that Zoska is not scared, because Jasiak is standing beside her with a bottle of whiskey, and he's just going to buy off everybody, and no one will be throwing a hundred barrels of water over her head. A dingus procession would also be held. A parade of boys would take part in a march known as going on the dingus with the cockerel, a reference to the use of a live bird, usually taken without permission and stuffed with grain soaked in vodka to make him crow loudly. Huh. I don't feel like that's really good for the rooster. It's funny that they took him without permission because they'd be like hey do you mind if I borrow your rooster I'm gonna get him really drunk and he's gonna be like loud drunkenly crowing all morning and the homeowner is gonna be like no thank you so they're like we'll just take him the rooster was a symbol of fertility carried on a small two-wheeled wagon which had been painted red and decorated with ribbons and flowers to which was often also added small puppets representing a wedding party this would be pushed from door to door by the boys who would crow like roosters and sing dingus songs conveying good wishes and requests for gifts and food Their objective was to encourage the inhabitants to give them food for their Easter tables, such as Easter eggs, ham, and sausages. The typical dingus song went something like, Your duck has told me you've baked a cake. Your hen has told me she laid you a basket and a half of eggs. Your sow has told me that you killed her son. If not her son, then her little daughter. Give me something, if only a bit of her fat. Who will not be generous today? Let him not count on heaven. It started off so cute, and then it ended in farmyard bloodshed. Goodness. All right, so the tradition endures. Notably, Buffalo, New York. 
Dingus Day is observed in many Polish-American communities and hosts the largest continuing event commemorating the day. Partygoers dress up in the white and red colors of the Polish flag and carry balloons saying, Happy Dingus Day in English. Cleveland, Ohio. Dingus Day is celebrated with a parade, polka, and the crowning of Miss Dingus. I don't, do they all throw her in the river after that or does she just only wear the crown? The article does not say. South Bend, Indiana. Dingus Day is also celebrated annually. The day marks the official beginning to launch the year's political primary campaign season. Notable politicians who have celebrated Dingus Day include Aloysius Kromkowski, a longtime elected St. Joseph County public servant for whom the Al Kromkowski Polka is named. Get a polka named after you. I mean, that's the kind of level of achievement that most of us only aspire to. I wonder if there'll ever be a Jennifer Woodside polka. If any Polish people are listening to this, you know my wishes. You know my dreams. Polka me. My polka shall be the polka of the generations. Pasadena, California. At the California Institute of Technology, the Blacker House celebrates Dingus Day. As they already have a long-standing tradition of waiters at dinners dumping attendees who act out of order, Dingus Day provides an additional excuse for the waiters to dump attendees of the opposite gender. Dumps are accompanied by light slaps by a twig from the courtyard tree, and a volunteering senior reads a Dingus Day poem as songs are banned during dinner. So, <laughs> what was happening that they were like, you cannot sing during dinner? But anyway, singing forbidden. But you know one place where singing isn't discouraged? Our show by us or by talented musicians like the following. This is Lord Huron with Wait by the River. Hey girl, are you crying? Yeah, I am crying. Over this documentary? Yes. But it's about people rolling cheese down a hill. I know. It's... it's beautiful. You just heard a real live reenactment from my own real life, starring myself and the voice inside my head. Yes, I did indeed cry like a baby after a Netflix documentary about people that roll cheese down a hill. But let's roll this figurative cheese back up the hill and start from the beginning. Every spring, the people of Gloucester, England hold a cheese rolling festival on Cooper's Hill. It's just a hill, you say. What's all the hubbub? The word hill is being used rather loosely in this instance, 
as Cooper's Hill is more of a cliff than anything else, with its 45-degree drop and almost vertical slopes further down the quote-unquote hill. On the day of the race, the master of ceremony will shout, one to be ready, two to be steady, three to prepare, and four to be off, after which a seven to nine pound round cheese will be thrust down the hill, followed by a crowd of race contestants hurling themselves down after the cheese. The idea is that whoever catches the cheese wins the race. However, with the cheese reaching speeds of up to 70 miles per hour, it is a little bit difficult, not to mention dangerous, to actually catch the cheese. And so the winner is whoever makes it to the bottom first. No one really knows how this tradition began. Some say it started in the early 1800s, and some say it dates back as far as ancient Romans because they used to have a fort on Cooper's Hill, and they are credited as the first people to throw stuff down the steep slope. Some people think it has pagan roots. It's thought that the bun that bundles of burning brushwood were rolled down the hill to represent the birth of a new year after winter. No one has ever died because of the race, but both contestants and spectators alike have sustained serious injuries during the cheese roll. It was up until 2009 that the Cooper's Hill Cheese Roll was an official event, but it was called off because of safety concerns. However, this didn't stop the locals from continuing the tradition. I think what makes this event extra special, at least in my mind, are the traditions within the tradition. There's one local woman named Diana Smart that has been making the official cheese since 1988. She uses milk from her own herd of brown Swiss, Holstein, and Gloucester cows. She is the only person in town that makes the cheese using traditional methods. It was also mentioned in the documentary that I watched that the elders of the town help in wrapping the chosen cheese. There's also a pub in the neighboring village called the Cheese Rollers that contestants can visit before and after the event to celebrate. So let me try and explain why this documentary brought tears to my eyes. It just seemed like such a pure and childlike thing to do. And the people, at least in the documentary, were so happy and enthusiastic. And it was also filmed before the pandemic, so it made me a little bit nostalgic for groups of people gathering for just one singular event, just for fun. It also reminded me that at our core as human beings, we can be entertained and even inspired by something as simple as rolling cheese down a very, very, very steep hill. Look around your world, pretty baby, is it everything you hoped it'd be? The wrong guy, the wrong situation, the right time to roll. Now let us delve into the Icelandic celebration called the month of Thori. Since pagan times, Icelanders have had a great midwinter feast named the Porablat or Thorablat in honor of the Nordic god of thunder, Thor. In the year 1000, when Christianity was making the rounds, the tradition gradually disappeared but during Iceland's struggle for independence from Denmark, young Icelanders studying in Copenhagen decided to revive the old custom of the Thorblot. Gathering to feast on traditional Icelandic foods, sing old songs, and to dream of an independent Iceland. 
the first modern Thori feast took place in the Danish capital on January 24th, 1873. I know, I said modern. Not that modern. The first day of Thori is Bondadagur, or Husband's Day, where the master of the house was supposed to rise before the rest of the household, exit the house wearing only his shirt and dressed in just one leg of his pants, then hop around the house on one foot, all the while dragging the other pant leg behind him. And then his wife was supposed to be really extra special nice after that. Thora Blot. The feast. Yes, what wondrous dishes. Prepared the way people did in earlier times, when necessity demanded total, and I said total, remember that, utilization of their livestock, and there were no modern ways of preservation. So people had to get creative so they didn't starve over winter. You know what that means. Sour ram testicles. That's what that means. But also including hangeket, which is hung smoked lamb meat. Doesn't sound terrible. Whale. But it's the fibrous fatty tissue from the underside of the animal pickled in sour whey. Hmm. Shark. Ripened by burial for a certain length of time to make it decompose the correct way and to rid it of ammonium. Svid. Singed sheep's heads and legs sawed into, cooked, and eaten fresh or soured, and jellied svid, lundabagger, loin bags of sausages made from the neck tissue or sirloin of the sheep wrapped in the colon with some suet and sewed up in the diaphragm. In addition, there are soured briskets, seal flippers, hard fish, unleavened flatbread, and butter, and it's traditionally washed down with some brenovin, which is also known as Black Death. It's a potent schnapps made from potato and caraway. Mm. And as gross as all that sounds, people do what they need to do to survive. And survive they did. After this <laughs> scrumptious dinner, uh, people would sing songs, play games, tell stories, and there would be dancing into the early hours of the morning. And I assume some stomach aches were had I don't think you can just throw those kind of things at a stomach and expect it to receive it well. But maybe, maybe they're made of stronger stuff. They have intestines of steel and <laughs> a good time was, was had by all. So anyway, now you know about the Feast of Thori that still goes on to this day. And if any of our listeners have participated and partook in such a feast, please share your experience with us. I would love to hear an inside point of view. <laughs> so I'm going to play a song by an Icelandic singer. It's either Jonesy or Jonesy. I've always said Jonesy, but now after looking at all of these Icelandic pronunciations, it might be Jonesy. And it's called Trees Grow Till Tall. Valentine's Day is a day that it seems some single people may resent. 
But if you're single in Denmark, you also have your 25th birthday to worry about. Yes, if you are 25 and single in Denmark, your friends and family will pelt you with cinnamon. Scoff all you want, but this tradition is hundreds of years old. It's been said that it originated with spice salesmen. They oftentimes would remain bachelors because they were never in one place long enough to settle down with someone. They were known as Pepper's Vens or Pepper Dudes. <laughs> a single woman is a Pepper Mo or a Pepper Maiden. Now, if you happen to still be single on your 30th birthday, the cinnamon gets upgraded to Pepper. And sometimes friends and family will add eggs to the mix because of its adhesive properties. What was funny to me is that the average age of marriage for men in Denmark is 34 and a half, and for women it's 32. So it seems your average Jens and Freya won't escape this spicy tradition. They said, Do you remember when you saw her last? I said her skin is cinnamon, her skin is cinnamon. Do you remember when you saw her last? I said her skin is cinnamon. I mean, it's not like it's a secret brotherhood. I can tell you about it. As the story goes, in the city of Bessieres in southern France, Napoleon and his army stopped and ate omelets. And he said, Ooh la la, delicieux. And then he ordered all the people to gather their eggs and make a giant omelet for him and his army the next day. So, I bet those townspeople were really sad they made him that first omelet. They should have fed him some Icelandic month of Thori food. Then he would have left them alone and they would not have had to feed the army the next day. But that is not what happened. And because that is not what happened, there is a tradition that carries on to this day. Yes, every Easter, the Brotherhood of the Giant Omelet gathers, as they have done for decades in Bessieres, France, to crack more than 15,000 eggs. They cook a giant omelet and distribute portions to thousands of observers who flock for Giant Omelet Day. The Brotherhood, this organization, is also known as Knights of the Giant Omelet. They take their mission very seriously. Quote, to prepare and serve, free of charge, full of joy, a giant omelet. In the first event in the 70s, it used a few thousand eggs. And now it is up to 15,000 eggs. And there's a giant omelet cooking going on around the globe, even uh, in our country in Louisiana. I mean, as all things go, like a party for the omelet, I mean, it's not bad. Uh, the upcoming song is from Horrible Histories, and it is called Napoleon Bonaparte. Hello, Paris, the first was the door. Now everybody lift your jaws off the floor. You act like you never seen your emperor before. It's Napoleon, and I'm back for more. I've just escaped from exile on Elba. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Emily. Um, do you know what 
tradition and festival, our friend and co-host Jennifer would hate to be at and would never be at. Hmm. Well, knowing Jennifer, I would have to say it would be a festival where uh, there are no cats because everybody hates cats. Also, it's like a, it's like a I hate cats anti beanie wearing um, anti flower collecting on your walk festival. So if if it's like only people who despise those three things. Uh, are present at this festival that would be definitely a festival jennifer would want nothing to do with would i be correct emily um well i really like that you made up a festival where they weren't celebrating something they were like scorning things (laughs) those are the best festivals I, i think i'd like to go to a festival where we all had a mutual hatred of something I think maybe that's like called protesting. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's not a festival. That's a protest. Um, you're so right. Although I, I sure could use some protesting against beanies and cats and um, collecting flowers on walks. That seems like it would be a nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah, if only <laughs> those were the, the issues of our day, maybe they would be a little more easily solved. Um, no, that is not the festival that Jennifer would never go to. What? I know, right? It would be the Monkey Buffet Festival. Oh, yes, this makes sense. Can I explain why? <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so this would be a festival that Jennifer would absolutely not be present at, the Monkey Buffet Festival, because she hates buffets. Like, it's just something she despises. I mean,. Unlimited food served standing up and then bringing it to your table and then eating it, um, you know, serving it out of ladles and spoons. That's just something that is not her cup of tea. Um, Actually, no, she loves buffets, but she definitely hates monkeys. This is a fact, folks. Listeners, if you ever wonder, like, is there one thing that describes Jennifer? It's her hatred for monkeys. I don't know where it came from. It may be deep-seated issues from her past. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But long story short, she despises all things monkeys, including including something that's very near and dear to me, Planet of the Apes, one of my favorite movie franchises. Uh, she just she won't watch that with us. She refuses to. I don't think you've ever asked me, but I guess I've also kind of refused what to watch it with you no you 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 you're familiar enough with it where you don't need to watch it oh thank you okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't hate monkeys but and i don't hate planet of the apes it's just i find it a little boring well you haven't seen all seven installments of it okay maybe i'll give it another shot all right well The Monkey Buffet Festival is held on the last Sunday of November in the ruins of the Fra Prang Sam Yacht Temple in Labburi, Thailand. I'm so sorry. I'm probably butchering all of those words, except Thailand. I think I did that one okay. Yeah, you definitely, out of the two of us, are better at pronouncing those words, so... Oh, thank you. Um, so the, a beautiful banquet awaits the guests of honor 
But none of the guests are human. Say what? That's right. They're monkeys. <laughs> the feast is held in celebration of Lopuri's thousands of macaques. And it's thought to bring good luck to the area and its people. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with all of this stuff is just stuff Jennifer would hate so much. <laughs> and there's a macaque that like shows up every year and he just like keeps eating and won't stop. And then the owner of the temple is like, you got to leave. You're going to this. There's just not enough food. And he's like, hey, this is a buffet. And I am getting my money's worth. And then everyone is forced to uncomfortably watch the, the macaque just like eat until he can't eat anymore oh that is definitely not part of this festival but it is so the monkey buffet festival is kicked off with opening an opening ceremony that includes performances by dancers in monkey costumes (laughs) Uh, when the monkeys arrive hosts remove sheets from the banquet tables revealing decorative spreads of vibrantly hued fruits and vegetables the macaques jump across tables and climb towering pyramids of watermelon, durian, lettuce, pineapple, and more, indulging in the nearly two tons of offerings. Look at this picture, Bobby. Oh, this is it's that's unbelievable. the pyramid of fruit. It's beautiful. It's a very it's a very intricate pyramid of fruit. Mm-hmm. It, it looks, although I can't imagine a pyramid entirely made out of fruit being structurally sound. This thing looks solid. Oh yeah. They did a good job. Yeah, it really does. There's a there is a um, a monkey at the very tippity top, um, as if it was the star at the top of a Christmas tree, and he looks very comfortable. He does. He looks like he's been looking forward to this day all year, <laughs> as well. He should. <laughs> so their respect for monkeys traces back at least two thousand years to the epic tale of Rama a divine prince, and his struggle to rescue his wife, Sita, from the clutches of a demon lord. According to the tale, the monkey king, Hanuman, and his army helped rescue Sita. Since that time, monkeys have been appreciated as a sign of good luck and prosperity. Lopuri's annual buffet is one way people mark their appreciation. Sounds like an interesting experience. I think that it's it's really wonderful that they are showing these monkeys this much attention um, because I think monkeys, they do a lot of wonderful things for us. I mean, they're cute. They are consuming probably a gr- the greater number of bananas that exist on this earth, which prevents us from being overran by bananas. Um, cute little curly tails. Uh, little sharp teeth that are dangerous but also cute so there's a lot of cuteness going around I know Jennifer would disagree with that and um, yeah just general cuteness I I mean can you imagine a world with too many bananas I don't even I shudder to even go there Emily I feel like that's a monkey stereotype I don't know that that's (laughs) true you you show me a monkey, and I will show you a creature who loves bananas. Okay. I dare you to find one that would not enjoy the company of a banana. Okay, maybe after the pandemic. 
Um, so this article that I am reading from, uh, from Atlas Obscura, it's a very interesting website. It finishes the article by saying this, once they've had their fill, the macaques are known to get unruly with their food and with people. So mind your belongings and your ponytail. (laughs) Yikes. You heard that Jennifer, right? Okay. So don't even think about going there. It's just, it's all around not a, would not be a good experience for you. But if you love monkeys, this is the place to be. It sounds like quite the spectacle. And if you are a monkey, this is even more so a place to be. That's right. (laughs) So you monkeys, if you are listening, where is this, where is this festival at? It's in Thailand. Okay. Catch the next train to Thailand and just enjoy the fruits of your labors, literally. All right, and now with some more monkeys. Here we come, walk down the street. We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we're monkeys around. I will tell you the tale of the Sma Grodorna, otherwise known as the Frog Dance. But it has a backstory that is funny, and that's why you should know it. It's not important, it's funny and a little important. I feel like I'm giving you the tools to like win at some sort of trivia game, and people will be like, how did you know that? And you will say, Jennifer from Dream Infringement told me weird things, and I remembered it. So the backstory. It all starts with the French Revolution around 1800 and a song called The Onion Song. Now, according to legend, it originated when Napoleon found some members of his imperial guard rubbing an onion on their bread. Very good, he said. There is nothing better than an onion for marching on the road to glory. And they wrote kind of a marching song featuring an onion. And in English, it kind of goes like, I love an onion fried in oil. It's so tasty. I love the onion. And then the refrain is, in step, comrades, in step, comrades, in step, in step, in step. That goes on a long time. And then it comes back to praising the onion. Just one onion, fried in oil, it turns us into lions. Just one onion. And then it takes a turn. It says, but no onions for the Austrians. No, no onions for those dogs. No onions for the Austrians. No onions, no onions. That's a direct quote. They do say no onions that many times in the song. They're very clear. The Austrians are not getting any onions. I'll play the song for you. I'm sorry, it will get stuck in your head. Could you feel it getting stuck in your head? So anyway, the British heard it and went ha 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 and changed it to like instep little frog. And so it's a huge mystery of how the Swedes ended up with it. Nobody knows. Somewhere along the way, it acquired an entirely new text about frogs with apparently no political irony (laughs) and became an important part of Swedish culture. (laughs) So halfway through midsummer celebrations, 
they meet around a maypole and start singing and dancing and imitating frogs to a song called The Small Frogs. It involves movements that illustrate parts that frogs lack, like ears and tails. The song kind of goes like, so funny, they're so funny to see, they don't have ears and tails. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, they celebrate that to this day. And there are a lot of renditions of the song, which will also get stuck in your head, um, especially the kuak ak ak. I mean, your, your life's going to be a little changed, and I don't know whether to apologize or not, but here we go. The Sma Grodorna song. So uh, we have arrived at the end of our show. I know, I know, save the tears. It's a sad moment, but it's also a happy moment because that means that you are in for a real treat. Following our show is another show by the name of High Tech Soul, and it's hosted by a very wonderful DJ slash host by the name of Leo. He's a great guy. We miss him very much. We can't wait to see him again. We're so grateful that he follows our show because it's like he is the um, cherry on top of a really delicious chocolate cake. But guess what? That cherry is attached to another chocolate cake. It's like endless chocolate cake. Cake on top of cake on top of cake. So you're going to enjoy this really sweet experience. High Tech Soul with Leo. Uh, and you can find us if you are interested in knowing what our faces look like without masks. You can find us on Instagram. Just type in Dream Infringement into your computer. You can also find us on Facebook. You can look for us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please give a review on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. But until next week, I just want to leave you with one, one final thought. Okay, so open your ears and open your heart. Think about this. There may be places where other traditions are not practiced like our place where we live, but there's always room for new, more interesting traditions to be invented. So invent some traditions of your own. Do it now, right after the show. Okay, well, thanks for joining us and I'd like to also leave you with one final thought, and that is that we love you, collectively. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.